You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, this is a special and a way that we really did not expect. And we actually, last week, of course, uh, we had a, a special shear, Uschus, uh, for Rav Nota, when he was Oid Bechaim. Um, now, um, as, as, uh, with his Chalik and Mesip to the Rikia, we, as Patech Hashiba, we are, uh, giving forth Divrei Hespin Harocha for Harav Hagoin, Rav Nota Tzvi, Ben Arab Yitzchok, Greenblad, Zechard Sadik, Lebrocha. Uh, I just, we have a, a, a packed, uh, itinerary of people, uh, that reflect uh, the, the tremendous reach that Rav Nota Greenblatt had, uh, the Ashba. Uh, I just want to start with one. Um, it's, everybody starts with this at a Hespit. Um, and I just want to, uh, the Yerushalmi and Shkolim, uh, Dab Zayin, uh, that says, Ein Oisin in the Foshas with Sadikim, Divareyem Hein Hein Zechroinon. I at uh, my mother's Levaya uh, when uh, Rav Nota was there. And I said something about that Nakuda, about Nefoshis, what does that mean? Uh, because I was asking, why is it that we call a Matseva a Nefesh? What do we call the Nefesh? Uh, nefesh seems to be something that's as, as a chius inside of a person, uh, it animates them. Why do we call matseva a nefesh? Um, and I wanted to suggest that the idea of nefesh was a power that spreads, an idea that's that actually moves through something uh, is called nefesh. And um, I brought a raya from the, my bar mitzvah parsha, the only parsha I know out of lane, which is uh, parsha Sazrio, where it talks about fosa hanega, that the shay peish, although there is it's a sin, but peishin is the idea of something moving, something that goes from where it is and 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 and, and goes further, and of course the nefesh, which we say is, is 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 inside of us, is really this energy that moves throughout the body. And I wanted to say that that's the same idea of a matseva, where the matseva is in a way extends out as opposed to its siyun where it's just a, a a slight notice where the mess is, the nefesh indicates something grandiose, something that's, that as you can see, it, the matseva pushes itself up, and that's the reason why. Um, Rav Nota came over to me afterwards, and he said he liked the Einfall, but I think that the Divreyim Henen Zechreinam is something that we, of course, need uh, to emphasize, and that is that that with Rav Nota, as much as his hashpa has been fos, has, has been the spashit, and this is our maspidim today, are all in a way a, a, a byproduct of the incredible nefesh hagdeva of Rav Nota Grimblat in terms of his ispashtus. But I think that what we can say is that the divrei Rav Nota themselves are really hein hein zechroinov, the words mamish of Rav Nota, the words that still resonate within us, not so much the Taitsa, 
but really Ravnota's Torah, Ravnota's uh, Oistruks, uh, the things that Ravnota said and taught us that live within us. And I think that all the four Maspidim and, and then Rabbi Males as well are going to be able to reflect that. Obviously, the the but I think today is a day to emphasize on the of So we're going to start with uh, um, Rabbi Tzvi Holland, um, who had a tremendous shimush with Ravnota as the Rashkoil in Phoenix. And from there, um, he has become Mufursim as a Masader Gitten, and of course, a Boki and Kashrus, a Rabbi Holland, uh, if you would please. And again, I would ask everyone uh, to mute uh, during uh, when each one is speaking. So, uh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I, I, as I told you when we uh, when we discussed this, I, I, I have to knock Mach Rebel Feinstein. Uh, I'm not, I don't think that I, I can uh, imagine that I, I'm right to say Hespin or Ravnata. It's not, uh, it's, un, it's unimaginable. He was uh, so many different things to so many different people. And a tiny microscopic slice that I saw. But like uh, like the Gemara says about uh, about the Rabbi, we don't even have to wait. Shloshim Yom Kippur, Moshev Yeshiv Al Kivra, and that probably is the it, that's probably the the biggest husband we could send him is 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 to say over say over his Torah, and uh, that's what you asked me to do instead of trying to say husband. Uh, I'll share a Misa that really is a husband. The Misa itself is a husband. In uh, I think the date I think the letter I got was dated in Tavshin Ayin. Uh, which already is about, I guess, uh, more than 12 years ago. So before, it happened before Hanukkah and Tavshanayim. Uh, Ramatha was in Phoenix for a get. And those those who know, Ramatha knew everything about Gitan. He knew everything about Gitan. And he always seemed to be so ready to give an answer to anything. Never afraid, never, you know, especially if it weren't a big Tamil Chacham, you figured that, you know, he, you know, he was one of those rabbis. He always had, he knew what to say to the person, whether he was right or wrong. He knew what to say to the person. But th- this Meister shook me. We had we had a Meister, we had uh, many Gitan. He was always in a rush, coming, going. Uh, you know, he was, as he showed up, he left. Um, and uh, while he was coming and going, we had a few Gitan in between. And uh, the last get, which was like very close to the time he had to leave for the airport, he noticed, or we noticed after the get was given over, the ball was still sitting in front of us, that one of the Edim had not said that he signed the Shema, the Shema, the Shem Kerosh. means that the normal way we write a get is that everybody who does a Misa, you write the get, you sign the get, you make a statement in front of everybody that what you're doing is done, the Shema of the Megarish, the Shema for the Miskarash, the Shem Kerosh. And he didn't do it. And Rabnata, who, you know, was always running at high speed in many different directions, came to a complete and total halt. And he stopped. He completely stopped. And he stopped. And he looked at the man and he says, Sir, he says, I don't want you to be nervous. I don't want you to pay me. And I'm not going to give you a certificate for the get right now. When I send you the certificate, then you'll pay me. He says, I have a question that I'm sure is fine, but I, I can't give you the certificate yet. He says, you'll pay me then. Have a good day. You could trust me. My name is Rabbi Greenblatt. And he sent the guy on his way. And he looked at us and he said, listen, it's a problem. I'm traveling. And when you travel, you're not Meyushev. And you're not Meyushev, you shouldn't pass in the Shiloh. So I can't pass in the Shiloh. I was dumbfounded. 
couldn't believe that he would. First of all, I didn't know there was such a thing that he had to be Miyush of the Paskin of Shaila. I mean, he never had any trouble Paskin of Shaila's. But he, he, you saw he had a tremendous Yerushalayim. So there was a little bit of time available. So I pulled out an Archa Shulchan. Uh, the Cheshivas that I have for the Archa Shulchan, the vast majority of it I learned from Rebnata. And I showed him a Mephush Archa Shulchan that I thought I thought should be a support that you don't need to say. He says a Mephush, it's a Mephush, Aleph. He says that if the Baal was mitzavet the sign of Shem Gerushin, and uh, there's the 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 Adam were there, and the Adam said that they would do so, that you could assume that's what they did. It's already not a storm, and the Rav wasn't happy with that. Okay, so he went, he left, and we were uh, very bothered by this Misa, you know, uh, like this guy was, uh, you know, really wanted his to get the, get things over with. Excuse the pun. So I found that Chuvas Chasim Seifer in Avnezus and Mutas. And uh, and uh, some cyphers make in a case that seemed to be much much worse. And I sent it to him in a fax. And not as he was wont to do. If he got lucky, he took the letter that I sent him and he wrote a tshuva about this and another Indian. Uh, child I asked him previously that he mixed together with this must have been on his head. And he sent the facts. We sent the, you know, for not there was a pretty organized letter that he sent back. And you could show it to Bavam if you want to show it to, to, to the people over here. Not himself. He, he writes, he writes me an answer. Meaning, his, that was his Matthias. Somehow he was Miyoshev. I imagine he did this on the plane. I'll tell you, but kids, what it says there. Anybody wants it, to, you know, you can post it on the chat or something like that. It's not no great secret. So he writes over there. He says, I, I write, of course, nice honorifics. You know, make us feel good. You see the love that he had for all these, these Talmudim. I told Rabbi Kivalevich that, I don't know if I'm a Talmud, but I'm like a stray that he picked up. You know, he happened to pick up, you know, pick us up. He showed us a tremendous amount of chesed. So he writes over there, I liked what you saw there, Hashulchan and some Seifer, that they were makel, but they have it, eh, but I have a better Ryan. And he goes on to bring a Raya that in this case, where the Baal is sitting in front of the Soifer and the Edim, that Chesima Bestam is not a Chesima Bestam, it's a Chesima Lushma Lechatchila. Where does he bring the Raya from? And, and he writes, if you look carefully at the way he writes it, he writes it with Kifus. He writes it with a, a Kifus and an absolute Clarkite, which, uh, which, was, which was his specialty. He, forget about the long chuba from the Chesim Seifer, forget about the Rechashulchan, when the Baal was sitting there. Why? Because he's a Medayik from Taisus and Zvachim. He says, Taisus, the Gemara Zvachim and the Abbez and Abbez says clearly that Stama Karben is Lishma, but Stama Get is not Lishma. Because an ish is not oimed legerishin, and he's medayik from the lashon ataisus. The taisus says that it's not just that an ish is not oimed legerishin; she's not oimed legerishin begetzet. So when you write stama get for a woman, and she's not oimed legerishin, that that has the mahus of a get shaloy lishma. Somebody shechts a carbon shaloy lishma. That's not shaloy lishma because the stam bam is oimed for a carbon, especially if you're standing in the base of mikdash. Why else, why else is there a behemoth here? He says, the Baal is standing there. The storm over here is Lushma, and you don't have to come on to all the Hatarian with some cipher and the Hashulchan and all these Hashmanis you have to make. When the Baal is sitting there, which is a very specific case, when the Baal is sitting there and the Adam sign, he says, that's Stoma Lushma. And he says, it's not even, he says, he says it's, it's not even a, he, say, he pushes away, he says, not even a Shiloh. And I, you, see over, you see over here his his Anivus that he, you know, and his Yerushamayim, his they didn't, even a, 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 maybe Yerushayra, 
that he didn't want to pass in and he you know, blew up the whole get and made the guy wait for it. And at the same time, he wasn't prepared to let go if, if we could show him he wasn't prepared to let go until he took the Shaila by himself and he went back to the Gemara and he went back to the Rishonim and he, not only did he make it he, not only did he make it that it's okay but he, but he made it that's and that's that's really you know something you know you would have imagined I think many people who encountered Rav Nata but didn't get to know him would have imagined that you know he was one of those fixer rabbis this is not a fixer rabbi he wasn't happy with Rav we could all be happy with Dr. Shulchan. He wasn't happy with some cipher. We could all be happy with some cipher. He wasn't happy until he took the gun shots and found the Taisis Mufurish. And he, he was not happy with a Bedeavid. He, he, he made it like a Tchila. That to me is the typical reality of who he was. really reflective of, of, the, of Rav Nota's greatness. We now have the schus, uh, the, the rov of the of Kao Amechod uh, in uh, San Jose and the Bay, Aver, the Bay Area Moyo uh, uh, par excellence a mechabel nasiach of nasar nasiach bechukecha that was um, uh, to be referred to by Rav Nota in his brilliant masterpiece Kareyach Sode as Harav Agoyin Yedidi and um, his Akdama to Rabbi Leibowitz's Sefer and Chayodam. You can see the warmth and the Chshivas Rav Nota had. Rav Nota always encouraged uh, all young talent uh, to step up uh, and to be a beacon of of, of Taira, uh, to walk in his ways. It's a big COVID, especially to take a cold call and to come and be part of the Hesped. Harav uh, Rav Rav Avi. Mommy said Ari. Rav Avi Leibowitz. Ari is my brother. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> so thank you very much for this opportunity. You know, first of all, when you call me Moel Par Excellence, it just reminds me that I once mentioned to Rav Nata, oh, Rav Nata, you were a Moel. You know, how many years were you doing Mila for? So I remember when I said, I, at the beginning, I used to travel a lot to do, to do bris milah. I was a good mile. I wouldn't say I was the best mile, but I was a good mile. You know, so I don't know if I would say I was par excellence, but anyway. Um, you know, before I start what I wanted to... Wow, that's insane. Same ice. I have to look at the, at, the, uh, at the dates to know whether mine was first or his was first. But we wrote a get. Also, same, same issue. The, the, the aides forgot to say that he's signing the shmo, the shmo, the gerishin. And the, the situation was, I wrote the get, um, and then the eight signed it. Renato was there. We used to sometimes, I used to write one, he used to write one or whatever. Um, but this one I wrote, so the, the ball was gone already. And the eight signed Lishmo, it did not say he was signing Lishmo, Lishmo, Lishem Gerishin. The difference in the mice is that the ball wasn't there. It was, it was a, a get Shlichos. And after we realized that the eight signed before saying Lishmo, Lishmo, Lishem Gerishin, um, Rav Nata started uh, saying, "What? Well, uh, it could be it's a shayla mezuyah of mitocha, and you know, started carrying on that it might not be a kasher get bichlal." Um, and uh, he said, "You have to write over the get." I said, "I have a shear to give," so it ends up he he gave the shear. I wrote over the get, uh, but he insisted the get the get be written over because um, I told him I can't write over the get unless you give a sh- give the shear in my place. No problem. He gave a shear in my place. That that, that was uh, that was nothing for him. 
You know, when Rav Nata walked into a room, it, he, he had an infectious personality. Those of us who know Rav Nata, we're connected to him because it takes two seconds. He walks into a room, the whole room is infused with, is infused with Rav Nata's personality and his mices and his mannerisms and, and, and the way he relates to people in his warmth. Um, I want to share with you something in his Sefer, Kareach uh, Sadeh, because I know Rav Nata held in his Sefer. I once said to Rav Nata, a Sefer on Chomish. You know, it's like when you go to a world-class ma- magician, you say, show me a trick, and he does a card trick. You want to see something more than that. You know, you have chuvas, like a sefer on chumash. So he's like, people have to know chumash is also taira. So that, that's what Renata really did hold of a sefer. And he even told me, I don't remember, I don't remember who he was saying. He said, what, so a Rosh Hashiva saw, one of his, saw his sefer, and he says, a sefer like this had not been written in a hundred years. A sefer on Chumash like this. So, Renata was very proud of his sefer. If you ever look at Renata's sefer for a drasha, you're wasting your time because either it's a technicality in how the Rashbam argues on the Ben Ezra and, and teaching a word, some so, some very dry point, or it's going to be a maracha in Kachim or a maracha in Kriyas Torah on something. Nothing that Balabatim want, want, want to hear and and uh, not necessarily the most the most inspiring, but Renata held that this sefer was Chashim and it really was, a, a, an ex- it is an extremely of Sefer, Rav Nata considered Chumash Rashi to be a Limud Gomer, uh, one of Rav Nata's Talmidim, Yoshua Winchel, who was part of the Chavura that was by him in Memphis for that year, told me that between Mincha and Mariv, on every Shabbos, Rav Nata would sit down in his 80s and 90s, it was 90s already, he would sit down with, with a with a Balabas, I mean, this must have been going on for decades, and the Balabas would have a difficult time getting through the Rashi, Rav Nata would just sit there patiently, patiently listening, listening to him read the Rashi, tight the Rashi and move right there. It wasn't didn't have to be a, 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 a seder in Igris Moshe in, 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 in the Gemara. Even Chumash Rashi, Rav Nata held to be to be extremely chashv and important. So I want to share with you something from Rav Nata Sefer, and I'm going to add a little bit a little bit of nuance to it. Um, but basically, the structure is certainly Rav Nata's. There's a pasuk in this week's parsha, mitzvah in this week's parsha, where it talks about Neta Ravai. The Torah tells us of Bashana Haravias Yekol Pirio Kodesh Hilulim Hashem that in the fourth year. Kol Piryo, the Neta Ravai, is Kodesh Hilulim Hashem. Rav Nata is saying, what, what does it mean? It's Lahashem. So Rashi already tells us um, that by Neta Ravai, there's a dimyon to Maishasheni. By Maishasheni, it says, it, it says um, that it's Kodesh Lahashem. Maishasheni is Kodesh Lahashem. Neta Ravai is Kodesh Hilulim Lahashem. So they're both Hashem. What does Lahashem mean? Rashi, Rashi says by Maishasheni that it's acquired by Hashem. The Maishasheni is a Kodesh Baruch Hu. It's a mission in, Git, in Kiddushin. It's Kano Hashem. That you're supposed to take the Maishasheni, bring it to Yerushalayim, eat it in Yerushalayim. It's a Mishulchan Kavah Kazachu, which is exactly the, the discussion of the Gemara um, the, in the Machlokas Tanoim, really, when you're Makadish and Isha, the most Maishasheni. But what Rav Nata was really focusing on is not the Lahashem. Okay, fine, it's Lahashem. What's the Hilulim? What does it mean, Kodesh Hilulim Lahashem? Uncle says Hilulim is 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 like a, a shvach. Uncle says when we when we say that that, that it's a kodesh Hilulim Hashem. Uncle says that it is a kodesh tushbachan kadam Hashem. It's a shvach. It's a praise to Hashem. What's the shvach to Hashem? What is the shvach? So Rashi says like this. Rashi on, on this week's parsha. V'davar zeh Hilulim Hashem. Who this is a Hilulim Hashem. Shenoso sham. You carry up the Meiser Sheni up to Yerushalayim. To praise, to give halal and shvach to shemayim. So Rav Nata says that what's what's Rashi trying to tell us? What Rashi is trying to tell us is the ikr 
Kiyom Mitzvah Smaisasheni itself is a Shvach Lashem. The Kiyom of the Mitzvah Smaisasheni is a Shvach Takadash Baruch Ramnata says, but we don't find like a tofes miyuchad. We don't find a, a din of kriyas ahala like the Ramban talks talks about. Uh, the Mishnah even when when they were eat the, ate the carbon pesach, brought the carbon pesach. We don't find that we don't find that there is a, a special thing you're supposed to say to give a shvach tashem when you bring when you bring the ma'aser sheni. So w- where is it? Where is that shvach? You know, if lule divrei ravnata, I would have said that it could be that the pshat is that etzem bringing the ma'aser sheni is a, is is a shvach lashem. Like a harabayas biadenu, you know, the the bring of the ma'aseshini is saying we we're zochet yerushalayim. We have a place that we could bring the ma'aseshini to. It, it, it remind it would remind me of um, reminds me of. There's, there's a Chuvas Harash in the context of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, where he says, how come we don't make a bracha? A famous kasha, Maizan uh, deals with it, others. The Rush says that the reason we don't make a bracha on Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is that the mitzvah doesn't have to be done b'divor, the Rush says. The Rush says, Shetiva HaKadosh Baruch Hu Lassos HaMaisa, the Hashem commanded us to do the Achilas HaPesach, Achilas Matzah, Marar, Umitoch Kach Anuzoch in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. It's the Maisim that we're doing. That, that is the Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. It doesn't have to be Haggadah B'Pet. So I would have said that that's a shot over here also. The Shavach is the bring the Maishashani to Yerushalayim. Rav Nata didn't go with that approach. Rav Nata said, Rav Nata held that, no, it's something in the bracha. What bracha are you making? Where are you making a bracha? So he, he cites the Torah's Kornim, where the Torah's Kornim says, on Kodesh Yiludim Lashem, Melamech Tu'unin Bracha Lefaneho Ulacha that the Maishashani requires a bracha before and after the Maishashenu requires, requires a bracha, a bracha rishona, a bracha chrona, that, that's the bracha that, that the Torah Spinnum is talking about. We know that the Gemara in the beginning of Ketan Mavarchin um, tries to use this pasuk as a makar for birchasanenin, the Gemara rejects it. But Rav Nata Taina is in his sefer that it could be that even though we end up saying that the birchas hanehenin is only deravanan and we end up rejecting. We end up rejecting the, the the you know what the Gemara tries to do in Meseches Brachas, but when you're bringing Maisesheni, it could be that it's a Kiyum Shel Torah, it could be it's a Kiyum of Adoraisa to make the the Bori Pri Ha'it, whatever it is that you're making on the Maisesheni, to make the Bori Minimizonos Hamosi Lachem Aretz, whatever you're making on the Maisesheni, the the Birchas Hamazon anyways, Doraisa, but even the, the, the Bracha Rishona, it would be like a kiyum of a Doraisa. That's what, that's what Rav um wants to suggest that the Kodesh Ilulam Hashem is that when you bring the Maisasheni, what you're bring the bracha that you're making is is a halal. The bracha that you're making is a Shavach Hashem and has a makar in the Torah in the Torah as well. And with this, Rav Nata wanted to explain something very interesting uh, that. You know, in, in the Nusach of the Al-Hamichya, Al-Hamichya, the Al-Haretvi, al Peros that we say, so we, we, first, uh, we, we first recognize what we, eat, what we ate, we first recognize the Shvach Tashem, and then we ask, we have a Bakasha, Rachim Hashem Elokeinu al Yisrael HaMecha v'al Yerushalayim Yirecha, uvenei Yerushalayim, etc., we're asking Hashem for all these things. We're asking Hashem to be able to go, to, to go up to Yerushalayim, build Yerushalayim, go up to Yerushalayim and eat the fruits in Yerushalayim. What does that have to, what does that have to do with anything? What does eating the fruits in Yerushalayim have to do with, with, with this bracha? What does it mean to, you eat, to eat a bikdusha v'tara? You're eating fruits. What, what's eating fruits? What's the pshan this nusach that we we say for, for the Alamichia. So Rav Nata explains 
that he thinks that um, the, the, the shot in, in this is, you know, the whole mentioning of Yerushalayim is not so pushed over here. Why are we mentioning Yerushalayim? It's about Peros Haaretz. Uh, people m- might be familiar, the Rambam, there's a Tyson. So Ramnata was questioning, what does Kedusha Yerushalayim have to do with the Nusach of, of the Alamichia? And what he explains is like this, he thinks that what we're asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu is for the ability to go back to Eretz Yisrael and to be able to have Yerushalayim to be able to eat the payros of Maiser Sheini and Neta Ravai, Bikdusha Uvetara, Bikdusha Saguf, Betara Samakom. Why would you talk about Kedusha Vitara if you're just talking about Peiros Aras, Peiros of Eretz Israel? What you're talking about is Maiser Sheini, and that's what you're asking Akadosh Baruch Hu, not just for to restore the Kedusha Saaretz, but to restore the Kedusha Yerushalayim. That's a different Kedusha. It's a Kedusha of, of, of Mukhefes Choma, it's a Kedusha of Yerushalayim and Harabayas, it's a whole different type of Kedusha, and that's the that's what we're asking Akadosh Baruch Hu for Rachim Hashem Elokeinu Yisrael Amecha to be able to build Yerushalayim and to be able to eat the Peiros of not just Eretz Yisrael, but the payros of Yerushalayim. What are the payros of Yerushalayim? The fruits that we take up, Maishashenim and Ravai, up, up to Yerushalayim. And he, Ravnata quotes, we'll end with this point, Ravnata quotes from his son, Rav Yaakov, Rav Yankel in, in Memphis, and he says that the language that we use, uh, this is a question that Torah Tamima also asks, and leaves B'tzoruch Iyun Rav in the Torah Tamima. He says, the language that we use is reminiscent of the Gemara of Sof Perakamet the Sota, where the Gemara says, Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to go into Eretz Yisrael. He needed to eat the fruits of Eretz Yisrael to be um, to, to get the benefit of Eretz Yisrael. Yet, what do we do? This is what we're asking. Why would we incorporate a language that the Gemara is using kind of sarcastically and cynically and saying there's no way this is why Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to come into Eretz Yisrael? So Rav Nata and, and his son uh, Rav Yaakov pointed out that the tour actually, because of this reason, suggests that we leave that out. We leave it out. We don't say that Nusach in the Alamichia. We do say that Nusach in the Alamichia. That's what it's written in the Art Scroll Sitter that you supposed to say that Nusach in the Alamichia. So then what's the Pshat? How can we say that Nusach? So Rav Nata said, I'll tell you why we say that Nusach. Because it's not just talking about Stam Peros. It's talking about Peros of Maiseshini and Neta Ravai. It's Peros that you're eating, that you're eating that's what, we're, that's what we're talking about. And that's why this Nusach makes sense, even though, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael for that purpose, but that's why we want to go into, uh, that's why we want to go into uh, Eretz Yisrael and have Yerushalayim Bibinyana. I just want to, um, you know, end with one, with, with, I would have said a little bit differently, I would have said, and maybe this is Mantik, the, what Rav Nuss is saying as well, and that is, it's not just V'nochal mi piri tuva, it's V'nochal mi piri tuva, so that univarechecha aleha in other words, the Gemara is saying Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to go into Eretz Israel just to eat the fruits and benefit from Eretz Israel. But if you're trying to derive that benefit so that you could use the, the Hana that you're getting to give a Shvach Tashem, to give praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that's the point. And, and, and certainly if we're referring to Maiser Shani over here, as Rav Nata suggests, that itself, the, the ability to bring, bring the fruits into Yerushalayim and be able to make a bracha to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but a birchas on the on the fruits of Eretz Yisrael, the fruits that were bring to Yerushalayim as Maisasheni Veneta Ravai, that is a halal and a shavach l'shamayim. That is the kodesh hilulim l'ashem. So this is what I wanted to share. 
from, from Rav Nata's Torah. That's what I was asked to do, not so much say Devei Hespid. So this is what I want to share from Rav Nata's Torah about how he's able to take a simple Pasuk in Chumash, a Diop from Rashi, and explain that the Kodesh Hilulim Lahashem is, is, is that the Etzem Kiyom of the Mitzvah Smaisasheni itself is a Shvachta Kodesh Baruch Hu, a Shvachta Kodesh Baruch Hu, the fact that we're bringing the fruits there, a Shvachta Kodesh Baruch Hu, that we're making the, 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 the Birchas Hanenin on those fruits in particular, and his suggestion that it may even be a Kiyom of a Mitzvah Daraisa. Really beautiful. And I, and I assume that you could also link to the Leishachachti in Parshas Kisovoi, the Leishachachti Milavorech. In other words, the Chazal, Bederakwal, you take it as a shtick on Asmach, the Leishachachti on Brocha. But based on Rav Nota, you could say that it's taka, it's, it's in the Posik itself. In other words, a person can sometimes, with Peters, you know, if I guess, you know, he thinks, oh, I'm just going to be nana, like Yoshua Birchu Batera Tchila, just the Hano and the Geshmak and the Peiris. And that he says, Loishachachti Milvarech. Right. Loishachachti Milvarech. So, you know, on, on that Rashi, the, 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 the um, Mizrahi says, Loishachachti Milvarech. Birchas uh, Hanenin is not the right. So what? Right, that's what I'm saying. saying. That's what right, I'm saying. So, so the Mizrahi says it must be that you're giving other shvach to the Torah. It doesn't mean a Birchas Hanenin. Right. So I'm but saying Rashi in, in Brachas, Rashi in Brachas and Dafmem says not like that. Rashi in Brachas says it's the Birchas Hamitzvah on Afrasas Trumas and Maestras. So that would support what Rav Nuta is saying as well. Not as a Birchas Hanenin, but as a Birchas Hamitzvah. The Birchas Hamitzvah itself could be a kiyum. Right. Of, that, of but, a not the, but not on the, the mitzvah of, of, of being mafresh, but of the, the Birchas Hanenin on the Achiva. Right, and because the problem is that Rashi and Brachas and Daf Mem said he's referring to that Rashi Tumas and Maestri. But just to show you, I'm listening a little bit. Um, so, Shkoyach Rav Avi, again, um, we, we now have um, Reb Tzvi Holland uh, spoke earlier, and now we have the, another Reb Tzvi, uh, Reb Tzvi Rosen, who was Zoha to uh, know Rav Nota in a, in a way that was extremely important as a, as a young Rav in the South. Uh, Rav Nota could definitely relate to from Birmingham, and I think that's where uh, Rabbi Rosen first got. And our family relationship goes back even before Birmingham. And I just want the Oilam to understand that the fact that, you know, I uh, was a Southern Rav, and the Rav Nota came, was in Memphis already, that he was there already for about 25 years, I think we have to understand that nobody really mentioned the fact, and I'm thinking that's very, very important, that when Rabnata went to Memphis in 1949 or 50 as a young single bacher, the the landscape of the South was completely different from the ones that, you know, the, 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 the younger generation, and I'm an older generation, that's why I want everybody to really understand Rav Nutt's godless. And I put it down that he had a Tyridika courage, a Tyridika idealism, and a Tyridika confidence in the South in a time when there was transition from orthodoxy to conservative Judaism. For example, that when Ramnata came down to the South, my shul in Knesset Israel and Birmingham, did, the Mechitza went down. My shul in, in Birmingham did not have a mikveh. Everything went from the North side to the more modernish side. <laughs> and it was a situation that even Manny Feldman shul in Atlanta didn't have a mechitza. He went without a mechitza. Ramnata came down 
as being that lone voice at that time to become, to become the most incredible, incredible, if I have to say, icon of the South. Now, that's, that's what happened. And I, now, I have a Satara Shavu with Ramnata in that, that I was also born in Washington, D.C., a few years later. I also have a Satara Shavu with Ramnata that he went to, to Chavetz Chaim. And I had, a, in Yeshiva High School in Washington, I had a Rebbe in Chavetz Chaim, Rebbe Mines, who sent six Washington boys to Chavetz Chaim. What happened was that in our mazel in Chavetz Chaim, that they started a koilo in New Orleans in 1977. This was a Chavetz Chaim koilo, was the first of its kind. I, we had, had Mechanchem, our wives taught, and myself and my Chavrusa, we were Chavrusas in this koilo. Reb Nutta realized that we have a koilo here? He was jumping for joy. Not only was he jumping for joy, he mama started to embrace us in the koilo. That was the first time that I ever had as a, as a young, basically a young kid. I was the youngest of the Kailo. And then he took us into his, basically into his Dalit Amis. We were, I, I, this was the first time that I had to sign a get. And he was very happy that with my first name, which was Tzvi, oh, does it been good? Aber, was it the Tata's nomen? I said, Yeshaya Pinchas Halevi. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Rabnata, Rabnata really had uh, heart conniptions that I wouldn't want to go ahead and to ruin the get. I would also say that I, you know, it what astounded me because when we learned Yitin in New York and we'd go to see an RCA was actually was Rabbi uh, that it was uh, Rabbi Schwartz, Oliver Shalom that went ahead and was Masada a get, and then I went through a whole different type of a uh, a, a standard reading of script. Reb had no script. Reb came and the dis- what is the Miscaria? Maybe your name is Barbara. Maybe your name is Babs. He would go ahead and he would control the whole show. That everything was through was Baalpeh, but he was masterful. And he was masterful. And I said he was so proud of actually of Yankel's had a had a thing that he made a get with that he was able to score the paper and have all the shuras there, and he was so so happy about it. But this is what we did in New Orleans. I also started to get in the last year in New Orleans after I got smicha from Yeshiva, I gave a chabura, and the guys went to Reb Nutta to get smicha. Reb Nutta gave three, three of the Yungalite from the, the Kail smicha, and they were able to go ahead and to take that with them and to become Marbitse Taira. So this was, this was what happened in New Orleans. Then I answered a, 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 an ad in the Jewish press, and that ad turned out to be a, a reality of going to Birmingham, Alabama. But by that time already, Birmingham, Alabama had a, a, a machitza. I put in a second one, but that was Rabnutta was at that OU convention. He was very part of the OU then for that. Rabnutta built my mikveh in, in, in Birmingham. And the second day that I came to Birmingham, mamish the second day, we landed on a Sunday. Come on Monday, Rabbi Rosen, meet me at Sunnyland Refinery, 10th and 31st Street. Goodbye. Hand on the phone. I didn't know where 10th and 31st was. I didn't realize it was a north side. There was a south side. Robert Greenblatt took me under his wings. And for the next seven years, my Balabatim asked me, why do you call 901-767-2263 so often? They said, you know, why do you call Rabbi Greenblatt so often? Because Rabbi Greenblatt was really part of our life. And I wanted to share some of the, the things that in terms of the, 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 if I will call it 
the piske halacha of the day-to-day the Rebnota gave me in Hadroch and, and, and a lot more. But it's very interesting to understand the Rebnota understood the South. The very first thing the Rebnota told me when I first came there was that you, know, you have to take one year and you have to see, see what's happening with your predecessor and then you'll go step by step. The first thing that happened is that they gave a, 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 a hechsher in town to a trefnyakish, a Jewish storekeeper. And they sold tarfis and opened on Shabbos and this, and they would sell the chalas there. It's like, Rabbi Greenblatt, I don't know what to do. So Rabbi Greenblatt came down to me and, you know, in his inimitable style, spoke to the Bala boss and he tried to explain to me what happens in the store. And this is where the milchiks and this is where the parif. And Rabbi Natsik goes, slides, and goes and open up the, 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 uh, the oven and sees this trefna roast beef in cooking in that oven. And he goes, oh, this is the parif, ah, you know? So... I said, what are you supposed to do? Reb gave me a whole big uh, of how to go ahead and to go kasha. Make a wall, make a separate room, have to go ahead, take trays. He was the first one that they say nowadays that, that you drill holes into the trays to be so you won't have a billboard between milchiks and parv and wire each one on each side. Go ahead and have separate things. And guess kachave. The Balabas listened to what everything the Ramnata had to say, except for one thing. Ramnata told me, in order for you to be able to establish a mirsis, go in the middle of the night, knock on the door. And I tell you, you know, you have black workers there. You can go from the old, old movies, if anybody remembers what movies are. I did it. Ramnata built the mikveh. Ramnata built the mikveh, but when I came, I wanted to see, I, I don't have any shimushin mikvahs. So it happens to be that the Balabas, one guy had a builder. And the Balabas did what was kind of crazy. He went, and instead of taking the swivel to go ahead and to, to, so that the, they would run the, the, the water from the roof into, into the bore, because it was a, hashok, a simple hashok and mikveh, he came in and he made, a, he made a tea. He made a tea thing. Basically, he made all, all of the water, all of the water that would be that, 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 that he, he made it into a clee. So it was basically, he, he passed the bore. But, you know, this is why I, I, I have highly moving from Ramnata. We went ahead and in the mikveh one time I told the Schwarz, we one time had a situation in the middle of the night that I had a truck that came in with 120 hanging quarters from Dubuque, Iowa. There was going into, it was going into to, to Miami, Florida, one of these busser busser places. However, they say, Rabbi, my, my time is running out. What am I supposed to do? I go in and I said, it's the first time that I saw a 15-footer by 42-foot truck with 120 hanging quarters what? in there. And I have a little garden hose. I said, this is this is oh. So I call the Rabbi Greenblatt. What am I supposed to do? Get him to a truck stop. Get him to, or to a fire station. So I said, I, I don't, I, a truck stop, I didn't know. But a fire station in Mountain Brook, Alabama, I did know. I said, this is Rabbi Rosen from Montevallo Road. I need, I need to be able to kosherize some meat. Can I come down to the fire station in the middle of the night? They said, no, Rabbi, but I tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to send you a fire truck and the fire with the firemen. And they had wide angle hose. Rabbi, Rabbi, Green, Rabbi Greenblatt said, make them fill up that truck so the thing will run from outside the truck. And that thing, those guys were spraying in that, that meat up and down from both, from one port to the other port. And I still remember that truck coming out and you see all the, all, all the fats and all the Wasser. This is geese from the truck that's coming out. But I, what am I supposed to do? This is what Rabbi Nota told me to do. That's the way we did it. 
So one time, one time we did the, the truckers liked me. That one time the trucker calls me from a from a snowstorm in Nebraska oh. and says, Rabbi, oh, my oh. time is running up. Can you bless me the meat over the phone? <laughs> yeah, that I can't do. One thing that Rabnata did and that, that can really show how he was, how he was so stark in, in, in his in, in, in the way that he held the, the South stark. I drove him one time to Atlanta. And it was says I started my my Rabonis in this basically the same time as Elon Feldman in Atlanta, and 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 Slatis from Savannah started two years later. But all of them were the old were the old type Rabonim. Rabnata was Eishlohava Nishkain Gior. Gior is is Gekeferlach, and most of the Rabonim looking at Rabnata crazy. What do you mean they're making up Armenian? I mean, they said because Ramnatha knew that the, the, that the, the track record in the South for gear was basically zero. And he said, no gear, no gear, no, no, no conversions. No, in Ramnatha told me that in Memphis, he has, does not, I mean, he'll talk to the Galach about to the conservative rabbi, Azuliker, forget it. He wouldn't give him the time of day. I had a mass, then this, but this, you have to understand this Misa that's happening, un, this underscores Ramnata's understanding of the pulse of the community of the South. Vasit Geshen, I had a, a chosen from my shul that got engaged to a kala from the conservative. And, and she, but they were not only with, for the conservative, they were the most prominent family in Birmingham. Some of the, some of the uncles belonged to my shul. Some of the, the some of them belonged half and half. But I said, what am I supposed to do? She's dreaming of getting married in a conservative show. I said, I didn't know what to do. And I had to decide, I don't even know what the conservative rabbi looks like. But in Alabama, everybody's got to work tzizamen. The day school's working tzizamen. Everything's working tzizamen. I call Rabbi Greenblatt. So Rabnata says to me, Azoy. Now I say, I'm saying this because it, it basically underscores his godless. It underscores his Havana, his sensitivity. And he understands, I saved my skin. And he told me, Azoy, he says, if you're the Masonic Kedushan and the conservative rabbi has nothing to do with it, and you use your Adam, and he's use your Ksuve, and he's use your Mikveh, and he has nothing to do, then you can go ahead and do it. Guess what? The conservative rabbi agreed. Because we had, we, we had Shalom between us. I ran the show, but that's, but that's only under Rav Nottesadroch. I could never do something like that without Rav So he said, I also had even with even with 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 Kvuris, I had problems with Balabatim because my predecessors never did Nistamagoyal. And in Birmingham, they said that they every every single Leviah was great side service. We never had a, never had a, a Leviah that was in, in in a funeral home because nobody would come to the to the to the to the cemetery. So everything was by the by the caver. But if you come by the caver, you got to fill up the caver. They called me barbaric. I was going to write an apology letter. Rabnata says, nothing in print. Don't put anything in print. But I said, what happened? What should I do? So we came up with an idea that we go ahead and we do the, the, the seven stops and we do the kavura before the family comes. So Rabnata says to me, as I in Rabnata style, Sean Kesman Starbin in Birmingham. That's what he said. So he said, and then, you know, and, and there are different problems. And I say, just as uh, on, this, on, the same, on the same thing, we, I had to do the Taharis. There was no other. I was part of the Chavra Kedisha. The Chavra Kedisha weren't from. I was the one who had to get involved. So I said, well, I had big problems. I had to call him. I had a, a balabas who had an amputated foot. Well, how are we supposed to do the Tahara? What do you do? Oh, 901 767 2263. Rabbi Greenblatt, what am I supposed to do? 
They said, you know, just don't touch, don't touch the bandage. Don't touch the bandage, just do the tarazan. So it says, you know, so the, but the mother of all stories is the story that they mentioned it, it, it and I was, I'll kind of conclude with it and it's something that my daughter had to say. The story was Azoi. Rabbi, Rabbi Greenblatt was the head of the OU of the South at that, that Tukufa. He also, because he was Rabbi Greenblatt, they had a, they had a jelly factory called Bama Foods. Bama Foods was also making trafe grape jelly. And uh, they say they gave it to Rabbi Greenblatt. Rabbi Greenblatt should go ahead and do his egg in a hechsher, but not from the OU. Okay, he was supposed to come to my shul to do a Messiris Haget. All of a sudden, I get a call from Tzvi, come pick me up, they stole my car. I said, why? So I left the keys in the ignition. So, Rabbi oh. Oh, so I come there, I come there, and I see, and I go, and I see that the that 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 he looks at me and he says, "Oh, I had gone a hat just like mine. I'm a Chavetz Chaim guy. He's a Chavetz Chaim guy. We're still wearing straw hats." So maybe Grimmiger still wore straw hats, but I do. Anyway, Bikitzer, what happened was we that the that the 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 satchel had his zayde his the tefillin from his father, very expensive tefillin, and he was ice mensch. We put in an ad in the paper, and the ad in the paper said, "Reward for the satchel." I get a call a couple weeks later, Rabbi, we, I said, we got the satchel. You'll meet us in Bessemer, Alabama it's X, in Street XYZ. And my wife says, call the police. The police says it's a setup. It's a setup. It's in such a rough neighborhood. We're not going. I call Rabbi Greenland. Musman Gain, Machman Eichstadlis, Musman Gain. I said, my wife says, you can't go. I said, I, I'm, I'm between the two, my two loves, my wife and Rabbi Greenland. Rabbi Greenland, I said, I, I, I got to stay married. I, I can't do it. So we didn't. And okay. A couple weeks later, Rabbi Greenblatt calls me up. The car is found in Knoxville, Tennessee. And as the Shivan said, it was, Yankel said it was a nace that the satchel was still there. The satchel was there. And Rabbi, Rabbi Greenblatt called me, Svi. So it says, the Tzvil and the Gven, Kosher, Lechadchile. The get is given kosher b'diavad over the chiddush Torah that I'm writing for Reya Chasade. That the shvar I, I am so bereft. But my my daughter and this is Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Pesach Friedman. This is who remembers Rabbi Greenblatt from being a, a little girl. And she says Rabbi Greenblatt told my wife. She says I've slept in many beds and over, but I've never slept in a canopy bed before. And that was my that was my daughter's bed. So I asked Yael called me as I was coming back. And he says, what are yours is a chroinus? And Riel says, he was our rov. He was our mentor. He was our godol. We revered him. And our, our loss is really deep. Yehazir from Baruch. Shkayach. Tzvi, mamish, dvorev, mamish, heimem, zechroinov. And we have also with us uh, Rav Michael Zuberman, who uh, I had the tzchus uh, to be connected with in the Bezin of America, and he has, um, will give the last official hespit here. Um, Rav Michael, um, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, thank you, Rabbi Kivalevitz. I, I feel totally inadequate uh, in this crowd to even begin to talk about Rav Nata. Number one, uh, my relationship with him is uh, nowhere near uh, the relationship of the other people I've spoken, other people I see on the phone, other uh, colleagues from the, the world of Bate Din. I see they're members of the family as well. 
But Rabbi Kavalevitz insisted that I speak, aim the sovereign Lagadal, so I will do my best to uh, say a few words that hopefully will be of uh, benefit to the uh, to, to those assembled. Uh, I've been at the Bezdin of America for the last 15 years or so. Uh, even before I started working at the Bezdin, I heard about the legend of Rav Nata, but I only had the opportunity to get to know him, mostly over the phone, a few times in person. Uh, during those years I was at the Bezdin, uh, until uh, he slowed down the last uh, few years. Rav Nata was always accessible. Uh, he always answered his phone wherever he was, uh, even as surprising as I, it might have been to me, why you're answering the phone, you're in the middle of XYZ. Always answered the phone. And uh, always, if we needed a get to be delivered anywhere, Arbakan for Saritz, uh, it was always that he'd be there the next week, uh, if not sooner. Uh, over the last number of years, we had a few conferences from Sadri Gittin, Chicago and New York. Some of the people on the Zoom here attended. Uh, Rav Nata, who had told me that uh, he generally did not attend rabbinic conventions uh, that much, uh, came to a couple of our sessions. He was excited to participate, and we all benefited from, uh, from hearing from him. I, I don't think there was anyone in the history of humanity who was Kaveya more Mekomos for the writing of Gittin uh, than Rav Nata did in his uh, decades uh, traveling the uh, length and breadth of the United States uh, uh, to help people with Gittin and many other, uh, many other matters. Uh, I would just mention, I, I want to focus on one, I mean, Kavalevitz asked me to talk about some Torah. There's one tshuva that I, I want to talk about a little bit, but uh, I, I would just be mocked him that at one of the conferences that we had, the Rav Nata participated in, uh, in our office, uh, he began by telling the story that when the Chavetz Chaim spoke at the Knesset Gedola for the Aguda, he began by saying, I don't know why people be mechabit me so much. Uh, maybe it's because I'm older than everyone else. Maybe it's because I'm a Kohen. So Rav Nata said in his uh, typically uh, self-deprecating uh, way that uh, I don't know why you want to hear what I have to say, but uh, maybe it's because I'm a little bit older. Uh, but having the opportunity to reflect uh, being in that position, the one thing that I can say he said, if I remember correctly, that I'm most proud of is the fact that I've been in a position to assist younger Rabbanim uh, in all the aspects of their Rabbanus. And uh, and he felt very, uh, you could say, proud of that accomplishment. And uh, we definitely see uh, from the participants of this call and many others, the uh, tremendous sashpa that he had on uh, Rabbanim uh, from across the spectrum, of course, the, the uh, geography of the United States uh, in many, many areas of halacha, and uh, he was clearly sholate in all areas of halacha. Uh, I have one tshuva in front of me, a letter that Rav Nata wrote to Rav David Lifshitz, the Suvalka Rav, the Rosh Hashiva in YU, in the 1960s, 1963, when Rav Nata was in his 30s. Uh, Rav David was uh, probably in his 50s at the time. Uh, I found this quite by accident a good number of years ago when searching for other things in the YU archives. And uh, I had forgotten about it. I, I couldn't find it for the longest time. And it happened to be a couple months ago, I, I discovered it again. And uh, I, I was just looking it over um, over the last week. So the Maisa Shahaya that uh, Rav Nata was addressing here, apparently the backstory, if you could read between the lines, uh, and, and we'll see if few points of this juva, how much it uh, reflects with not the sensitivity, his creativity, and at the same time, his firmness in, uh, in what he thought was the MS and the right, uh, the right thing to do. So the backstory apparently was that Rav Nata had done a gerus for a child, 
who uh, applied to the day school, uh, while there wasn't the halacha geiris done for the mother. So apparently someone had complained to Rav Lifshitz about what Rav Nata did. So Rav Nata is writing to him to set the record straight uh, exactly what happened and why Rav Nata did what he did. Uh, so his Adama is uh, basically you weren't given the correct information. Uh, there is a lot of precision that goes into writing a tshuva. If you look at tshuva literature over the centuries, you'll always see sometimes in the Rishonim, the actual question that was asked is replicated word for word because they have to know exactly the question asked in order to be able to respond appropriately. So the way we're not to present the Maisa Shahaya that happened was there was a family in Memphis. The mother and the five-year-old son had converted with the local conservative rabbi. And now they apply to the Orthodox day school for admission of the five-year-old boy. And the day school was not prepared to accept a conservative convert into the Orthodox day school. So the bottom line was, and then explains why he did this, he was Megayer the kid, even though he wasn't Megayer the mother. So what was the, uh, what was the rationale over here in his analysis? So Ramosha first writes, obviously, uh, the conservative gayers could not be relied upon, even though the representation was that this family seemed to be generally within the orbit of orthodox observance. Um, Rav Nata was very firmly in the camp of Ramosha in viewing every functioning uh, conservative rabbi as a puzzle, even if that conservative rabbi might have been personally observant. Um, not that remarked to me on occasion that that was the godless of emotion who understood what conservative Judaism was in America. Um, and every conservative rabbi he viewed basically as a puzzle. At the same time, not the right. You can't blame the family for going to the conservative rabbi. In their mind, they did the right thing. Because after all, this conservative rabbi learned by Rebbe Hanan and Baranovich. And uh, what better yichus, what better pedigree could you have and being a Talmud of Rabbi Hanan. But uh, he was Shadow uh, Pirish and he was functioning as a conservative rabbi, so you can't accept the Gavis. At the same time, Ramosha writes over here, and uh, Rabbi Rosen alluded to this, but the Rav Nata was firmly of the belief that at least he personally would never be Megai or someone where there's a Lashem Isha's component, where there was a motivation for marriage, even though. That we even if someone converts for ulterior motivation, the Geras post facto is good. And even though the general practice of Bate Din uh, around the world nowadays is that if someone comes with an ulterior motivation, the shame Ishas for marriage, nevertheless, a Bezdin ascertains that there is independent sincerity and commitment to observance uh, beyond that relationship that would transcend the relationship, such that if the relationship would fall apart, the Bezin has a confidence level, the person would remain observant. So we don't really view that as the Shemishas based on Jewish or Chaimos and others. But uh, Rav Nata was firmly of the belief not to get involved in any Lashem Ishas case. He writes over here, I've never had to, I've never agreed to be Megayer, anyone, any Ger Lashem Ishas. The Gamim Hu Yisrael, Umutur Begiores. Even if we're talking about a non-Jewish woman who's involved with a Jewish guy who's allowed to marry a Gyaris, he's not a Kohen. Even there, I wouldn't be Megayer Lashem Ishus. Uh, even in Nisuk Farba Isser, 
even if they're ready civilly married, the Jewish guy, the non-Jewish women are ready civilly married, that's still called, and there's no motivation, uh, he could uh, well remain married uh, without her converting. So even though there are uh, indications uh, that maybe one could say otherwise, not to felt that's also considered shame ishas, um, and therefore he wasn't uh, prepared to touch that situation. So here he had a problem. The mother converted conservative, the kid converted conservative. He wasn't prepared to be Megayer the mother because uh, Bishite wouldn't be Megayer anyone with Shemishas. But the home is basically an observant home, and uh, the child is going to be raised in an observant home and, uh, and potentially live an observant lifestyle and go into Orthodox day school. So Renata felt under those circumstances, he was comfortable being Megayer the child. Normally speaking, the whole premise of Gerkat and the Sigging Subastafir Aleph is that a katan doesn't have the ability to make his own decisions in life and uh, can't independently think for himself as to whether he wants to be Jewish or not. So uh, the Geras is Aldas Bezdin. It's with the uh, knowledge provided with, by Bezdin. And uh, the notion of Zachin, that uh, Bezdin can do something on behalf of someone else when it's uh, to their marriage. So usually we assume the majority position that uh, married means that you're going to be raised in an observant home. But how can you call that being raised in an observant home if the mother is not Jewish? There'll be a Bishal Akam in the house. Um, and that's not a Jewish environment. But under the circumstances, he says, the only reason the mother is not converting is because of me, not because of her. That uh, That's my problem, not her problem. She's prepared to convert in theory and be a fully Orthodox person. And it'll be an Orthodox uh, home. So Rav Nata was comfortable converting the child under those circumstances. We had a couple of cases like this over the years where the storyline was you had a conservative convert who was married to a Kohen, and then they become more observant. And uh, potentially you could, do, the, the woman is observant enough to do a halachic uh, geras, but she's not prepared to leave her husband who's a Kohen and they'd be living together baser. So you can't be the guy or the mother, but they have kids. And aside from the fact that she's married to a Kohen and not prepared to abandon the Kohen, and aside from the fact that she's not Jewish, not halachically Jewish, but the kids are being raised in uh, an Orthodox environment. So there's a tshuva in the Marei HaBazak from Eris Chemda. Gedalia Schwartz wrote a tshuva about this a number of years ago. We had a case like this and a couple other cases where uh, we had a comfort level of being the guy or the kid without the mother under these circumstances where there's just a technical impediment to the mother's conversion, but the home is going to be an observant household and the kid will go into Orthodox day school. But apparently Rav Nata made the same point uh, decades earlier in this 1963 uh, tshuva about the case that he had. I, Rav Nata says, if we're going to accept the child into the day school, then people are going to think that the conservative uh, gayrus is a good gayrus. The mother uh, is going to be viewed as Jewish. So he says, as far as the gayrus of the kid, so even though the kid already had a bris mila performed uh, when he was younger, so you should do our toughest on bris. You should uh, do our toughest part of the gayrus process, even though technically speaking, if the meal was done l'shem gayrus by a Jewish person, even if it was part of a conservative uh, bezdin, there may not technically be a need for a toughest on bris. But we've not thought in this case, you're making the point that we're not relying on the conservative gayrus at all, and we're doing a another another hatafa. Then Rav Nata has a fascinating uh, additional point over here, which I had heard from him in, uh, over the years as well, that he raises the following question, and with this we'll wrap up, 
the, as we said, the premise of being the guy you're a katan is based on the notion of zachin, that is aldas bezdin, because the katan doesn't have uh, independent ability to make his decisions. So generally speaking, we talk about the age at which uh, someone is considered of uh, halachically independent mind. So that's bar basmith, so that's 12 or 13. There's a Jew in the Chassan Sofer, and there may be a Tosis Rid uh, in a different context. There may be a Tosis Rid that sounds like this in the Sugging Subas of Gerkatan and Dafir Aleph, that there's a principle of Ein Shir and Lebenei Noah, that if something is uh, halach is based on a measurement, so those measurements are relevant for Jews, but not relevant for Bnei Noah. So, for example, uh, one of the Shemites of Bnei Noah is Gezel, so a non-Jew is liable uh, to potentially capital punishment for killing. When it comes to us, the shear for uh, culpable xela is a uh, pruta. But a benoch is going to be high for xela, even less than a pruta. So, ain't shearim libnei noach. So, Rav uh, raises the question that uh, this kid is five. So, he definitely uh, doesn't have a basic level of intelligence. But when it comes to benoch, so maybe benoch isn't bound by our Shear bar mitzvah twelve or thirteen. They maybe have to evaluate every ben noach based on his own uh, independent intelligence. And uh, someone could be uh, intelligent enough at the age of six or seven or eight to be considered an objective bardas. The Vilna Gaon, uh, when he was seven years old, was probably uh, much more intelligent than any of us. But uh, but he was halachic katan because there's a shear. There's a standard of Dallas. Uh But if that doesn't exist for bnei noach, and the whole premise of ger katan is that it's uh, because he's a katan, so Besson stands in. But if he's not a luckily a katan and he's seven years old as a non-Jew, so maybe the whole mechanism of Geras Katan doesn't work. So I believe, if not the rights is over here, this kid was five, so he's comfortable doing the Geras. But he was uh, hesitant to do a Geras on a katan uh, a little bit older than that if someone's uh, eight, nine, ten years old. So maybe the mechanism that exists for, for Geras Katan uh, doesn't exist because of Ein Shir and Lebanino. That's like the Minchas Chinuch suggestion that uh, what happens if you have someone who's Suffolk Jewish, that uh, maybe he's Jewish, maybe he's not Jewish. So you have a Cash 22 situation. If a Jew is Michal Shabbos, so then uh, that's a Chiyav Skila. That's a capital offense. But non-Jew keep Shabbos, that's also a capital offense. Goyesha Shabbos is Chayim Misa. So the Minchas Chinuch suggests that uh, maybe you should have this person that we don't know if he's Jewish or not, do a Malacha B'chatzi Shir, do half of the amount of a Malacha. So when it comes to if he's Jewish, so half of the Shir that's not a capital offense. And if he's not Jewish, ain't Shir Lebenei Noach. So Bnei Noach aren't bound by measurements. So then uh, if he's not Jewish, so then he um, then he did a malach, he didn't keep Shabbos, and you can have your cake and eat it too. But that's what Rav Nata suggests over here, that maybe the whole mechanism of um, of Daskat, of Gergat, um, doesn't work. Uh, a question on the chat, Manashach, either it can grill Das Bezin or not. So that's true. Uh, but the problem is that maybe you're in a in a realm. So if, if he's Jewish, so that if he's not Jewish, so then at the moment that you convert him, then maybe he becomes a bardas, and it's kind of like a gita v'yada bamka kind of situation where you can't have both at the same time. But that's uh, that seems to be the concern that um, that he had. But what you see in this Jew, aside from all the layers of uh, again, he was in his thirties here. All the layers of uh, the complexity and the analysis over here is balancing his uh, sensitivity to the family and uh, and doing what he could to keep the family in the hold in, in the fold and bring them to the day school, but not compromising in any way one iota on uh, on halachi principles. Um, we we will all miss uh, Rav Nat and the tremendous hashbar that he's had on us.
Thank you so much for Michal. That was incredible. Just say one thing about the Chatsi Shir. says because they're Einu Bene Mechila Ninu, right? Not because the Shir Shava Pruta, that's because they're not Shaykh the Mechilas, right? Right. That might not have been the best example, but yes. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Chas Vashalom, look, you're Gavaldic. I'm just saying that's not a Din and Shir. That's a Din and Goyim. Right. And Rav Nota understood that very, very well, especially. Rabbi Mayles, I know that we were going to be Messiah with your. Divrei uh, Bracha and Divrei Nachama. Rabbi Mayles, of course, uh, is the Rav of a shul that didn't exist when I was uh, growing up. It's a shul in many ways, which I believe was built on the spirit of Rav Nota. Uh, the big shuls in Memphis uh, were operating in their own sphere. Uh, Rav Nota created his shul when he moved to Pecan Grove. Uh, and that was the shul that was in his home. I'm going to talk a little bit later in the shir about Rav Nota's shul and things that went on there. But I do believe that the young Israel, uh, which was a byproduct of the, the Ruach of Rav Nota from his shul and the Ruach of the Bnei Teira that Rav Nota helped strengthen there. And Rav Meos has been the Rav of that shul for the last almost six years now. Uh, and Rav Meos, I know, I think you uh, uh, can speak just for Memphis and, of course, about your relationship to Rav Nota. Rav Meos. Thank you very much, Rav Kimbalat. Uh, I'll be very brief. I know that this has been... This has been uh, wonderful, and so many people have said so much. Uh, I'll be very brief. We've had the fortune of being in Memphis for about the last six years. Uh, during that time, really, until pretty much until the pandemic began, Rav Nata would daven with us uh, during the week when he was here in town. It was absolutely astonishing that at his age, he'd, he was still traveling. He was still telling me, I'm going to be gone the next three, four days. I've got to get here, and then I'm running here, a Tabasco factory here. Uh, it, it was astonishing. Someone his age was still running around, and um, he, he really, his presence added so much. He was a living example for so many, so many in our community. I, I just want to conclude what's been in the, uh, a really special uh, a special time on this call by just saying we all feel our entire community feel all familiar with uh, the Rashi right at the beginning of Parshas Vayetze. The Rashi wants to know why did the Torah choose the Russian of Vayetze as opposed to Vayelach? We're all familiar. It tells us So why does Vayetze? Sadik leaves the place and makes an incredible, incredible impact. When it's in town, he is he is the town's magnificence. Who Ziva? He is that town's splendor. Who Hadara? He is that town's grandeur. Yatsa Misham. But when that Sadak leaves, Panahode, the magnificence is gone. Panaziva, the splendor is gone. Panahadara, the grandeur is gone. I think each and every one of us in Memphis feel that. I, I know when I had seen this Rashi until this point in my life, it was intellectual, but I can't really say I felt it. But now I feel it, and I think our whole community feels it. What made, what made Memphis so special? All these was the fact that we had this gem. We had this gem that was here in our community. We had Ravnata here. And it didn't make a difference where anybody went. If we traveled anywhere and we said that we were from Memphis, the first thing, what put Memphis on the map, on the Torah map, was the fact that Ravnata Greenblatt was here. And the, the, he put us on the map. What are we now? Without Ravnata, we're just a, a little town on the Mississippi River. What are we? As long as Ravnata was with us, he was our Hoda, he was our Magnificence, he was our Zia, he was our Sandra, he was our Hadara, he was our Grandeur. 
We're absolutely, absolutely bereft without him. And, and I think our whole community is feeling an incredible loss. Obviously, no one is feeling that loss as much as his, his family, his dear Revitson. She should be well. And his family, they should all be well. Rev not that incredible nachas from his entire family. They should continue to give him nachas. And I would just say the one, perhaps the one nechama that everyone, his Revitson, the family, his Talmidim, everyone who appreciated Rav Nata should know and should perhaps provide some Nechama is the fact Nata, during all these years that he benefited and he serviced Klal Yisrael, as you've heard from so many on this on this session, he did his best, what can I do to share my gifts with others, teach others some of the tools of the trade so that they'll be able to carry on. And there are people around the country who are Masadre Gitin, who are Molim, who are Kashrus experts, who are building Erevin, building Mikvot, and they're able to say what they learned from Rav Nata, how he taught them, how he trained them, how he taught them so many, whether it was halacha, whether it's practical, dealing with the contractors, some very practical ideas. He benefited so many, and in, even though he's not with us, he, he has entrusted so much of his knowledge to people would be faithful uh, to their service to Klal Yisrael. So while nobody could replace Rav Nata, it was absolutely irreplaceable. He did us all the chesed by, by making certain that in some capacity he could, he could pass along some of his knowledge, some of that wisdom, some of that practical know-how to others. So his, his impact could continue to be felt in our world. He's Baruch, uh, he should, we should, his memory should, should really, really be benched and uh, and all of us, all of us should feel some nechama uh, from this, but it's going to take a long time. We all feel a tremendous loss. Thank you so much, Rabbi Mayos. I think that... Um, uh... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.